Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Watching the scene from the last of the Mohicans where the guy takes a bite out of the other guy's heart. We may not be good, but we're going to be nasty. We're going to reflect the blue-collar nature of this city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Tuesday afternoon. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, Marissa Dunn here to talk about some slight news in Eagles world. Uh, Take the temperature after the bye week. And then Philly is rocking, so in about a half an hour... We're going to bring on Matt Gelb, talk a little bit, a little bit of Phillies. You know, they go to the World Series. I feel like we can we can dip our beaks and, you know, maybe get some good stories of, of young Z-Berm uh, along the way. Zach, how was your bye week? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited for this podcast. My we were going to have Tyler Dunn on this episode, um, but we checked the bylaws of Birds with Friends, and it turned out that we're never allowed to have more Syracuse people on an episode than non-Syracuse people. So no, we had to push we... him back. We will be honest. I had a little producer scheduling error. No, 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 so no. Going no. to have him on later no. in the week, so that is not. Well, me. I mean, Zach was coordinating it, and then he foisted it upon you. So let's let's not let's not give you one hundred percent of the blame. No, it's his it buddy. Is, give me the one hundred percent of the blame, but we will have him on to talk about the tight ends. I have some questions about the jumbo tight ends. Obviously, nice. you know, area of interest for me. So we would definitely have him on um, later this week, so you can expect. And nobody that. has but a tighter end than Matt Gelb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's better to spread out the Daily Orange alums over multiple episodes anyways. Uh, but no, I had a nice bye week. I uh, Similar to the Eagles, I did some self-scouting and excited for what's ahead post-bye here. I think you'll find better podcasts and better written material during these uh, next two months, three months. Well, let's give us give us a little peek behind the curtain then, Zach. What, what went into self-scouting for you and what did you learn? What are the tendencies that you're trying to break that you can – trip up opposing defenses on ultimately the proof will be in the product uh so i don't want to give away what it is that is going to be different and hopefully these podcasts from are more insightful are uh, yeah we'll, we'll continue to work on on different things number one and then i read my material from since the start of training camp because i i, I did this during the summer as well and see some things I can do better, some things that I want to maintain. Uh, so it's going to be a fun next few weeks. Excited! This is a big, this is a big stretch for the Eagles. They're a Super Bowl contender, and our coverage needs to reflect that. You spent the bye week going back and reading everything <laughs> you wrote since the start of training camp. 
Well, I didn't spend the entire bye week doing that. It's not as if that well, took you're a skimmer, me a week. as we know. Yeah. No, I've read those. Uh, and it, yeah, I I did go back and do it. Now, not the practice observations, but the oh, the, I mean, well, apparently those are above reproach. It turns out. No, but they're not necessarily constructive for what I'm doing these next. If 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 I was preparing for the, I don't call it the backstretch of the schedule, but the the next three months by reading practice observations, that would not be time well spent. That will you would then be set like, aside time next summer to revisit those? Yes, I will. Sure. Matter of fact, yes, before training camp next year. Yes, but no, we are. Uh, so there. I'll put it this way. I hope that our listeners and our readers enjoy what's to come. Mm, big okay. tease. <laughs> Bit of an OnlyFans <laughs> drop in the bucket there, it feels like. Let me ask you this question. After reading everything you wrote since the start of training camp, what was the best thing that you wrote? The best thing that I wrote, <laughs> well, there's there's different sections of different stories that I liked. Uh, I thought the Marcus Epps piece was a good one. I liked parts the, of the Brandon the, Graham story. Omar Epps one? Did you go back and read that? or Like parts of the Brandon Graham story. Uh, I like the I, Brandon Graham story. I, I think I had some one. I think I had some good Jalen Hurts nuggets in, in a few of those pieces. Uh, but we don't need to discuss my stories. The, we're looking ahead here. And looking ahead, I'm excited for what's to come. All right. Well, why don't we send it over to the Stone Cold Newsman now and, and see uh, what's going on in Eagles world since uh, – He's got his ear to the grindstone. Did you also go back and listen to every podcast? <laughs> yes, I. Well, not every podcast. Uh, uh, <laughs> the look on Marissa's face of just yeah. pure horror. I'm gonna like chain you to a couch and just make you watch TV for like four hours. <laughs> the the first nine minutes here have not gone as I've anticipated. Let's <laughs> let's let's get back to. The news at hand here, the Eagles had the week off, so not much as far as news, but they did sign Greg Ward to the practice squad. Mm, Greg Ward comes back. Greg Ward is someone who's respected in the building, and he uh, could give them some wide receiver depth in case they need an elevation. Could give them some punt return depth as well. Uh, Also, since we last spoke, Christian McCaffrey has been traded. He, he he went to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think the Eagles were serious contenders in the Christian McCaffrey sweepstakes, but what that does do, A, is it bolsters the roster of a of another contender in the NFC, a potential threat for the Eagles in the postseason. And it also gives a spectrum into what the or a window into what the Panthers are, th- are thinking. Now, ESPN reported on Sunday that a team offered two first-round picks for Brian Burns, and it has been turned down. Uh, that surprised me, frankly. I would take two first-round picks for Brian Burns. Uh, but the Eagles could still have have some, uh, some, some moves ahead of them here. So we are about a week from the deadline. I believe it's November 2nd. And you heard us... Uh, Give the preview in last week's episode. There's going to be more to come in the next week. Back to you in the studio. Thank you, Zach. Um, well, you mentioned McCaffrey, and the, it, there were reports that the Eagles were involved to some degree, offered like a mid-round pick, um, which makes sense. But this is this is actually what I want to talk to you about. <clears throat> the one that really uh, jumped out to me 
is the trade the Jets made yesterday for James Robinson mm -hmm. uh, for a conditional sixth that can turn into a fifth. And let me just let me just run this by you, Zach. In 2017, Jay Ajayi, at the time the Eagles traded for him and traded a fourth round pick, had run for 1,924 yards at 4.3 yards a carry and had 308 receiving yards on his career. James Robinson, when he was traded to the Jets yesterday, 2,177 total rushing yards, more, 4.5 yards a carry, better, 612 receiving yards, better. Both players in the third year of their rookie deal, so you would be trading for them uh, and have them through next season. A sixth that can turn into a fifth for James Robinson I was very surprised that the Eagles were not willing to pay that price. So uh, let me run down the list of possible explanations and you tell me which one uh, sounds most correct to you. Uh, I have five here. One is they regret the JHIE trade. They don't think it was a good trade. Okay. Uh, two, they don't like the player. They just, you know, despite those, uh, those numbers, they don't value the player that highly. Uh, three, they don't think that the need is there to the same degree as they did in 2017. They think they're fine at running back. Four is Doug Peterson told Trent Baalke, you're not allowed to trade players to the Jaguars, which I think does seem feasible. And five, they're worried about Miles Sanders' feelings, that if you trade for a player of James Robinson's caliber to come into this, <clears throat> excuse me, running back room. Ooh, gross. Uh, that there is a possibility of of messing up uh, a chemistry that they have worked hard to build, um, and there there is there is too much unknown uh, on that on that line. So a few things there. To just a quick correction here. Don't. don't but uh, James Robinson, because he was in, he was an undrafted player, is a restricted free agent at the end of this 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 year. So he he's not. He he doesn't have another year on his contract, but he is within team control. And the price for the fourth year for Ajayi and a assuming it's not a first round tender for James Robinson is probably comparable there. So that's that's a, a small thing. Uh, I think there like an are exclusive rights for agent though. No, right? he's 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 restricted. He's he he's an RFA, so you have to give him a tender. I believe why it's the, his four, it's his only his third year. Undrafted rookies sign three-year deals, and then they're restricted free agents. They they don't have standard four-year. The four-year contracts are for draft picks. I think Michael's in the same position, so I think that's – but his took longer because he was – Yeah, you're right. But I think he's the same. Yeah. So so players who were on practice squad, they have – so They have the yeah, exclusive. Right. Yeah, so yeah. – but but I don't think that that fact that, that does change the value. That does change. That so, does explain why they wouldn't. Yeah. Why so the value is not quite there. Yeah. And a I think things, can so, you only tender yeah. one player? No, you can. Give, no, you can tender. Multiple. No, yeah, yeah, you oh. can tender, but you tender them at, at, at different scales. So, right, right, right. Okay. Uh, number one, I don't think the Eagles view the need a running back the way they did in 2017. At 2017, I think they felt they need more. They needed more explosiveness. Um, from the backfield. If you're looking at fortifications in the backfield this year, you're probably looking more for a situational player, okay? A, a third down back, someone to help with, with blitz pickup, perhaps in the passing game. That's that's number one. 
I don't think Miles Sanders' feeling has as much to do with it. Perhaps they do think they paid for Ajayi. I think I think Jay Ajayi was a a bit more well regarded as a player than Robinson is. Uh, yeah, I don't know in, why. That, that's a fair conversation to have. Uh, Ajayi did come with injury risk. Now, yeah, exactly. James Robinson is is closer to the injury than Ajayi is. Nonetheless, I was a bit surprised by that compensation. Uh, I imagine that the Jets, you, you know, the the Jets were looking to obviously add a back after Brees Hall's injury happened pretty quickly. The Jaguars, I I got to watch part of that game the other day, and they're doing what I expected them to do, which is feature ETN. So Robinson's role was... And they lost because of it. Because of the fumble, you mean? Yeah. I would say they were in that game in large part because of ETN. By the way, if and you And they could have caught that double pass. Sorry, if you If you read my... Yeah, if he caught, if he could have caught that double pass, correct. If, if you read the uh, picks... This is a bit of a flex, but if you read the picks the other day and you took the over on ETN's rushing yards, as was suggested in the player props. Good for you. I I, I hope that was a winning ticket for you. <laughs> How did you do this week? What was the what was the record? Four and two. All right. Uh a matter of fact, if if Back you take away if you oh, I've always been in the green. Um if, well, if only because you, you don't count the upset picks. Oh even if you do count the upset okay. picks. Yeah okay. If you well, count the another week picks. in the green didn't you have a losing week? Oh yeah no but the overall record yeah, yeah, yeah. but if you if you remove the money line picks and simply look at the picks against the spread, which you can't, you're do. looking, you're, of course you can't do it. Okay. You're not you're uh, free. You know, those aren't free rolls. You're still spending money. Uh, you're looking at about a 65% hit rate. So, mm. and what's, uh, what's, what's his face got over at the ringer? I would have to look that up. I, I, I honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll find out Thursday when the column comes out. Uh, but back to the conversation at hand here. I don't think the Eagles, the, the main thing is I, I don't think the Eagles view the need as pronounced as they did in 2017. That said, for that price, it would certainly be a, a worthwhile move to make. I mean, if you look at it, it's not that much different than what they paid for Carrie Vincent Jr. last year, right? And Carrie Vincent Jr. was not a part well, I was of told it. that I, I, we've made too much of that, that we can't talk about that that was bad value. That is not what you were told. What you were told is that if you like the player, if you were like the player, then it's worth it. Then it's a, it's a, it's a minimal price to pay if you like the player. But you should also remind yourself that if you like the player and the team who knows better, who knows the player more doesn't like the player and nothing has changed since he was drafted at a lower valuation, then maybe take a beat walk around the building for a second and then rethink it and say, uh, you know, I don't need to keep a track record alive of making a trade every deadline. The amount of time we've allocated on this podcast to low leverage trades between K or low leverage moves between Casey Tuhill and Kerry Vincent Jr. I understand things are won and lost on the margin, but uh, if, if we can learn anything from Dave Dombrowski and the Phillies transact, it's, it's that it's, it's the heavy hitters that are ultimately oh. going to win games for you. Mm. I don't know, Zach. Maybe we'll tease that for later in the show. <laughs> well, level, level trades might come back and help you one day. You never know. 
sure they but ultimately you're going to win or lose based on your Bryce Harper signing your Kyle Sharper signing your 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 Zach Wheeler signing your Nick Cassiano signing yeah. yeah and how are you doing how are the how are your arms doing this afternoon Zach my arms are great excited for this podcast yes are they sore no, they, they, my arms feel well. I, oh, okay. I've got, yeah, my arms are good. Because you got the double vax today, which <laughs> I thought you were trying to make up for the Phillies, uh, all the all the unvaxxed players. You were trying to do your part to get them into the World Series healthy. You were trying to set up that line, weren't you? Uh, I was, yeah. You didn't, you didn't play along. No. Um, so overall, I'm curious to see what the moves are in these, in these next few weeks. Howie Roseman usually waits until the deadline for – these transactions, right? Uh, the Jay Ajayi trade was at the deadline. The Golden Tate trade was at the deadline. The aforementioned Caravins and Jr. trade was at the deadline. The um, Isaac Sopoaga trade was at the deadline. Uh, good one. Uh, yeah, I, I can Three go on the list. Thank you for choosing me. That's a throwback. <laughs> Very. Only so, the sickest of the sickos are even going to know what I'm talking about there. But Yeah, so I would imagine that on Tuesday when the city is either in their Phillies euphoria or their Phillies concern, Howie Roseman comes in with a, with a transaction then. Mm, you think he's going to try to steal the show? I don't think it's stealing the show. That's literally when the trade deadline is. <laughs> Oftentimes he makes trades at the deadline. That would not be stealing the show. Although as, as our good friend, Professor Selman pointed out to us, uh, the schedule is conducive for Philadelphia fans. Here. It lines up perfectly. Yes. And I mean, if, if, if we can get a little bit of personal information on here, it could be conducive for us. If, if this series goes into a game six, mm. I, I might be on that app, move the flight back and potentially check out a game six in Houston, right? We're already mm. going to be there yeah. flying out on Friday afternoon. What's a few more hours and you make your way to the ballpark. Hmm. I mean, you gotta do it. That'd be great content for the pod, for sure. Maybe Bo and I can take it in together. Although, yeah, yeah. I, although I, I would say that, um, unlike you, I don't make unilateral decisions about childcare for my family, um, <laughs> and so I would probably have to run that by uh, the household just to make sure that that's okay. Bo, respectfully, <laughs> respectfully, the decision, the conversation has already taken place. So. Um, <laughs> If it, what's the expression <laughs> that offensive linemen say, be ready so, or, or, or stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. Right. There if you, you have the conversation when the schedule comes out, you're not calling on Friday morning saying, can I stay an extra day? Right. So yes. So literally that discussion <laughs> happened. Um, it happened a little bit yesterday afternoon. And again, this morning. Yes. Nice. Hashtag team nice. Emily. And did she have any self scouting notes for you? <laughs> Um, she said at, at one point, and, and again, don't like to talk about too much personal stuff here, but she said at one point, I thought the bye week you don't have to work. And I said, well, no, I don't have to go into work. I do have to work. So, cause I was writing a jail and hurt story, uh, last Wednesday. And then I was doing, uh, uh, some self scouting, like I said, on Thursday, and then Friday, I, I had a, a call I had to take. And uh, and so, yeah, so her, it wasn't self-scouting, but she was wondering why the bye week was was a, a, a little fuller in terms of the workload than she had anticipated. 
And of course, this well, was the first time she met you. <laughs> no, it is not. No. Uh, okay, so uh, we we I mean we talked about it last week, but has your uh, has your opinion changed on you know if it, if it's if it's going to be a trade, you think it will be a running back or maybe a depth safety or maybe a depth or or if they're going to make a big move a pass rusher. Yes, I would rank edge rusher top of that list. Uh, just because of the importance they place on it. And and uh, th th there is the playing time they were allocating to Derek Barnett, who it's it's going to Teron Jackson now. but And Patrick uh, Johnson. And Patrick Johnson, yes. Uh, but if if that's Robert Quinn, for instance, right, that's an upgrade for you. Although the Bears are winning games right now. And I think if you just talk about the market, there are more yes. like, you know, 30-year-old edge rushers who can give you a good 15 snaps a game available than there are you know, a, a reliable third safety. Cause if there's a reliable third safety, he's probably a starter. Yeah. What did you, I, 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 thought... I, I see, by the way, Mr. Wing in our chat says Eagles trade for hunt. I'll say this. We spoke last week about the Ernest Jackson. Oh, I'm sorry. The Ernest Johnson. Uh, if, if hunt is available, that's a move you really need to look hard at. Cause he can, he can fill those, those, uh, those needs we were talking about on, on third down. And he changes your backfield. And if there's a Miles Sanders injury, um, yeah, that's that's uh that will be a that will be a good move if 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 Kareem great locker room guy. I couldn't tell you one way, one way or the other. Well, remember <laughs> we talked about it. we 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 in when they had the joint practices, Nick yes. Sirianni went out of his way to mm -hmm. uh have a little meeting and, and uh, quick catch up with Kareem Hunt. So something that's probably on their radar. I am curious your question here. I, I certainly don't don't mean to take the host chair here. This isn't a trade deadline question, but before we we pivot to the Phillies, um, this was a weekend where we had a chance to catch up with the NFL, although the Phillies were playing during the Sunday window. But are you buying the Giants? Six and one. Are I mean, look, the NFC East is a good division here. The Giants, they are away been, the best uh, division in football right now. A nice little story at three wins, four wins. You can't, you can't luck into six and one. If you win six or seven games, there's something to that. Um, yeah, I am not buying them as a good team, but I am buying them as um, in a league where there aren't really many good teams. They have found something. Um, I I think they are well coached. I think the uh, the discrepancy. Uh, the gap between the way that they were coached and run under the past administration and this is enormous. And I think that it's hard to overstate that, but they have done things fundamentally to build around Daniel Jones's strengths and weaknesses and, and like hide his weaknesses, uh, which I wrote about in the power rankings this week. I think that there is something to, you know, when a team wins so many close games like this and, you know, they get to six and one, there is sort of a, they start to believe in themselves uh, mm -hmm. aspect going on but in terms of like what they do and uh their talent and like the way that they're winning games uh i like i don't think that that is a team that is going to like make the eagles nervous um their pass like uh the, you know the, the the eagles one weakness right now is run defense and so maybe that's an interesting matchup against saquon barkley but the way that uh, the way that the Giants are winning games does not strike me as a way that's going to lead to success against the Eagles. 
I would agree that that they're not. I don't view them as Super Bowl contenders, but like I said, you you can't luck in to to six wins in seven games. And bigger than that, I look at how they're playing. The value of situational football cannot be overstated here, right? If you're if you're tough on third downs, if you're tough on the, if you're tough in the red zone, that literally is going to make the difference in close games. And they're playing close games. Uh, red zone defense is critical. Third down defense is critical, right? And we are seeing with the Giants how a team that, in my opinion, I don't think it's a controversial take that they have marginal talent. They've they've had some nice upgrades, and and certainly uh, the the line is playing better this year. Although Evan Neal is injured now, but overall, when you're tough on third down and you're tough in the red zone, you're going to be in games. And then we talk about end of half situations. We talk about end of game situations. When you play well in those spots, that's the difference in three four point games. Yeah. What about the Cowboys? Did you watch any Cowboys? I yeah, did we watch them last yeah. week. We saw them yes. last week, but I, yes, I did. I did watch Cowboys. Uh, Dak, Dak did not look good to me. No, I was. I was thinking that. Although Dak looks to Dalton Schultz a lot, right? And uh, I think that's a part of the, you know when I watched the Cowboys before the Eagles played them, they weren't really engaging the tight end. Now Schultz was injured. Schultz was banged up then. They had Jake Ferguson in the in in the lineup, but. Schultz was what fourth most catches or targets uh, among tight ends in the NFL last year, and you 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 saw going into the Eagles game a lot more Noah Brown, right? If if they can get Dalton Schultz going, they they obviously have a good backfield. We know about C.D. Lamb, but I I think that changes their offense a bit too. Hmm. All right, a lot of Dalton Schultz think- talk on this pod. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, do you think the McCaffrey trade? Do you think Mc, the McCaffrey trade changes things in, in the conference? No, I don't. I think okay, it's, you're, I think it's a deeply unserious move. Yeah, um, and why is that? Because they have an offense. They don't like. They don't need to run. I know that they they view that as he's a he's a receiver just as much yes. as a running back. Uh, he's the one like blue chip player that was available to help us. We and and we see the NFC as a potentially open opportunity. But uh, no, I don't think that spending a second, a third, and a fourth on uh, a running back who uh, has had a lot of trouble staying healthy is good investment, um, especially after they've spent third-round picks on the on the position back-to-back years in an offense which they have proven to be able to make the most out of uh, replacement-level running backs being productive. Okay, now I I think there's I, a there's a, 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 a uh, cronyism aspect to it here that plays into things. The McCaffrey's and the Shanahan's. Uh, I think John Lynch is a deeply unserious person. I think this is sort of a uh, like w- anything that the 49ers accomplished this year is going to be on the backs of D'Amico Ryan's. That's how I feel. <laughs> now, I hear your point, and the injury concern is real, especially when you're giving up those types of draft picks. I think you're too fixated on the position here, and I know you're going to roll your eyes when I say positionless players, but if a team acquired a wide receiver who has a 17 game at who their per 17 game stats is, and has never played a 17 game season. 
I'm just saying their per 17 game stats is 100 catches, 800 yards, five touchdowns, you know, of five touchdowns. They were, if they acquired a wide receiver like that, you would fundamentally view it differently. No, Cole Beasley's on the street. They could have signed him if they wanted to. Okay. Christian McCaffrey, I think it's disrespectful to Christian McCaffrey to say he's Cole Beasley. This is someone who in 2019 had 116 catches, 1,000 receiving yards. Um, in 2018, running back three years ago, might as well be in the Paleozoic era. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not, I am not disputing the, the injury risk here. The injury risk is considerable, but if Christian McCaffrey's on the field, if you take a 49ers team that their, their defense was arguably the best in the league before this, certainly top five in the, in the league, you already have to contend with Debo Samuel. Okay, I think you already have to contend with George Kittle. I was bullish on Trey Lance going into the year. I think Trey Lance's injury took something away from what that offense could do. But now if if you're a defensive coordinator and we use Shield Kapadia's sweat test, right? What's going to make you sweat? Now you have to account for Christian McCaffrey in a different way than you had to worry about Jeff Wilson Jr. In a different way than you had to worry about Elijah Mitchell when Mitchell came back from injury. If you're in a playoff game, against the 49ers and you have to go up against that defense. And now you're looking at Christian McCaffrey. If he's on the field, Debo Samuel and George Kittle, that would concern me. Uh, so I, I think that it was a heavy price to pay. I know McCaffrey's salary had something to do with his value, at least this year. Um, but I think that is a trade that affects the way you look at the 49ers offense in a playoff game. I mean, yeah, sure, but you know, they still have a human interception machine at quarterback. I think, I think the rest of the conference is going to be just fine. So, who do you worry about in this conference? What what team? If 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 you need, I mean, to I'm trying now, to get to the break so we can bring in our our, okay. our guest who's sitting in the in the waiting room. Sorry. But you know, maybe we maybe he has an answer on. We will table that and discuss that on the our end of the week show. Okay, because that's okay. a worthwhile discussion. That's a good tease. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that was good self scouting. You, you, you know, you wanted to get better at teases coming into the the post buy. So good job. All right, let's hear. Uh, let, let's take a little break. Come back. Talk to Matt Gelb for his uh, in depth scouting report on the Steelers defense. I am not reporting this. This is from <laughs> our Matt Gelb, our Ken Rosenthal. When I say our, the Athletics, Matt Gelb, the Athletics, Ken Rosenthal. It's like you don't feel kinship to Matt Gelb. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Logan, oh, oh, is it O'Hop? I've, I've worked in my NFL pronunciations, but not my Major League Baseball ones. But he's the Phillies' top catching prospect, traded to the Angels for Brandon Marsh. So the Phillies get some outfield That's help. what you interrupted my my big training camp take. <laughs> well, the- my big description of the the limitations and the excitement of training camp. You're no. giving me Brandon Marsh for Logan O'Hop. So no, we're getting I, Carlos Rodon here. I received three texts. So actually, they, according to some other people I, I just see here, uh, Jeff, you know, Jeff Fass and the Phillies are getting David Robertson as well um, in a separate deal. But no, I received texts. The same while, David Robertson? The one they had last year? Yeah. So I. I, I wow. Great work, Marissa. And with that, we bring on. Matt Gelb, Mr. Gelb, um, is this your first podcast? Oh, you're Uh-oh. muted, Matt. You're muted. <laughs> Apparently it is. This isn't my first podcast, but this is the most nervous I've ever been for a media appearance in my life. Uh, I am honored to be here. 
Um, I guess I, I guess uh, there are like several questions that I want to ask. Uh, the first one is for um, for a man of your general disposition. What has it been like being surrounded by so much joy for the past couple of weeks? <laughs> I, you know what? It's funny because I, I've been the high man or a higher man on this team for a while now. Like I have. I mean, I think it was reflected in the coverage. I thought uh, in August, uh, this was a team that was like clearly making the postseason uh, and, and possibly a team that had a chance to do something. September wasn't very good. Uh, and it's funny because a month ago, a month ago today, they would have been just about to lose their second game to the Cubs right there and right in the middle of a sweep to the Cubs uh, a month ago today. And it's crazy. I mean, this is uh, this has been the craziest month I've ever had covering this team. Uh, just everything that happened. There was a 17 day road trip in the middle of that. And I was on that whole trip. And uh, it was uh, unbelievable how this has all come together. But uh, yeah, there's been a lot of joy. Uh, I know I'm, I'm generally uh, a cynical, uh, you are kind of person. Yeah, I am. Uh, but, uh, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun to be around it. And, uh, I thought they would make the playoffs. I thought maybe they'd win one round. Uh, I, I did not expect this. Don't think anyone expected this. Even the players in the clubhouse, you know, some guys will say, you know, always believe, always believe. It's just funny though, running into some guys during these celebrations and just kind of get the looks, exchange looks on, uh, with, with some of these guys. And they're just like, they can't believe it. I mean, it really can't. It's not that they didn't think they could do it. It's just, this is crazy. Go ahead, Zach. I don't know if you guys need to introduce yourselves to each other. <laughs> you you preface that by saying you have a lot of questions here. So I, yeah, I didn't know if you were going down I mean, list. my follow-up question is, you know, the 17-day road trip, the, the playoffs, how, I mean, now that they're in the World Series, I'm sure that she wants them to finish the job. But your lovely wife, Allison, how angry is she at this at this Phillies run? I mean, you got two kids at home. Let's Let's get back to being a dad she's she's been really conflicted this whole time um she's really excited for me to be on on this podcast she's a a, a big fan and uh you guys know that so i think this is the i think the fact that they made the world series and that that's how i got on this podcast you know the Phillies <laughs> been playing 100 for 140 years and they've made the world series eight times that's all it took for me to get on birds with friends and uh i think she's most excited about that but uh, I think she'll, she's going to go to one of the games uh, at home, so she's she's super excited about that. She was actually at the the resumption of Game Five of 2008. Mm -hmm. She was there with her dad, so she got she saw that game, and that she's going to go uh, to the 2022 World Series. How crazy! Is wow, that? this run has lasted long enough that the kids can take care of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's, been, it's been so long. So so first off, it's great to see you virtually here. The work has been outstanding, especially during these these past few weeks. Make sure for all our listeners, I'm breaking what the fourth wall here, but make sure you're reading Matt every day uh, because he's he's making it worth it. Uh, what I don't think that I don't think that I don't I don't think that the fourth wall applies when you're when you're having a uh, when a podcast is talking to the audience. Well, I'm talking to Gelb at this moment, but let me ask you this because we're all watching this. Okay, and we've been watching it. A lot of us have been watching it throughout the season. Some of us have been stepping in just during the postseason. Uh, you said that this has been. You you talked about how fun this this past month has been, and these these glances that you're exchanging with the players that they're not expecting it. What's what's the secret sauce? What insight do you have about what's going on here that you have to have been? you know, boots on the ground with this team in, in Clearwater, 
since late February to really appreciate what's happening. I, I think the biggest thing, ZB, is that once they got in, I, I don't know, there was just this like freeing effect on this entire organization. Like once they just got in and ended all that talk about these late season collapses, about how, you know, the Phillies had spent so much money and got nothing in return for it and about how they got all these star players and none of them could get uh, past that threshold and into the postseason. Once they got in, there was this, just this freeing effect. And I attribute a lot of it to Kyle Schwarber, who I've mm -hmm. written about, you know, at various points of the season about his presence in the clubhouse. I mean, he has been, uh, he's been huge. I mean, not just on the field and the home runs that he's hit uh, and the walks that he's drawn atop the lineup, but he's just, just got this something about him. He's finally got a chance to be the guy in the clubhouse. He didn't necessarily have that before in his career. And he really, he really wanted it. He's always wanted it. And he talked about the postseason being baseball at its purest. And it is very cliche and cheesy. And he's not wrong, though. You know, Nick Castellanos has not had a good postseason. But what do you remember about Nick Castellanos' postseason? You remember him having that one game in Atlanta where he made that great catch, had a big hit. You remember him catching the last out that sends him to the World Series. You don't remember that he's been swinging at every friggin' pitch uh, and doing weird things. Like, you don't remember that. I think some and people remember what, that. Yeah. Maybe some people remember that. But they're, you know, they're the cynical ones that uh, – that's baseball is purest. Like you, you're, you, there's, they don't track stats in the playoffs. I know we're tracking what Bryce Harper has done, but really you don't. Um, you, you don't remember someone's over before. You remember that the Phillies won or lost simply. That is it. And that has had some kind of unifying effect for this, for this team. Uh, the short of it, like if you want to get into nuts and bolts, I mean, they had, they had acquired really strong, they've spent their money well. They've acquired star players and they have played very well for them over these last few years. They didn't have enough depth to get through 162 and to get into this postseason tournament. They got enough depth. They got more depth this year that let them uh, sustain injuries to Harper or to Segura uh, when Wheeler went down, for example. Um, depth doesn't matter as much in October. And this was a team that was always built for October if they could just get there and they couldn't get there all those years. And now that we've seen them in October, you just see their best players uh, just reaching a new level and, Harper is the obvious example, but it's the pitchers. It's Nolan Wheeler and Dominguez. Uh, it's Hoskins and Rio Muto. Uh, you know, these guys have just reached a different level this postseason, and, and they're their best players. They just had to have a chance. Well, if I can follow up, yeah, by the way, um, I, I don't mean to jump on, on you there, Bo, but this was something I've, I've been pining to ask. And we discuss team building a lot on, on this podcast, obviously football-centric. Dave Dombrowski – um, successful story general manager, one of the the best in in modern history in terms of winning. Uh, but he he has been somewhat of a polarizing figure in the baseball community. You know, for some of the prospect deals he's he he's made. What has he done? What? How much uh, credit recognition does he deserve for what's happened here? Or is it simply that their their best players are playing best in big moments? I think he definitely deserves some credit. I mean, he installed uh, more accountability, I think, in the front office and the way things are run in their baseball operations. And really, he put the finishing touches on this team. I mean, no, he did not acquire Harper. He didn't acquire Real Muto. He didn't acquire Wheeler. He didn't acquire Noy. He didn't acquire many of these guys, really, at all. 
Um, his best move under the radar, I guess, at this point you look at is probably Alvarado. That was his first trade, actually. It was a pretty small trade at the time. And who would have thought that Jose Alvarado would become what he's become? But he has. And uh, I'm a big man. Uh, I, I can take the, it. He can take it. He can. He wants to pitch every game. Uh, he, uh, Dombrowski, uh, he's the first executive in baseball history to take four different teams to the World Series, right? I mean, this guy wants to win. That's pretty much that is a, his objective. And, and as you noted, ZB, he's done it at all costs at times. I think what's interesting with regards to how he's run the Phillies is he hasn't done it at all costs. Hmm. You know, there were guys that they could have traded uh, in July, big prospects and gotten better players in return. Bo wanted Carlos Rodon, according to that clip that I just heard. <laughs> and uh, they could have had Carlos Rodon if they wanted to trade some of their better prospects. They didn't. Uh, they traded some good players, uh, no doubt, but they didn't go all in. And maybe Dombrowski would have done that in the past. Maybe there's a little bit of evolution here, but uh, the, the guy likes to win. He wants to win. And, and you know, people say that, but he, he has a way of just figuring it out. And this team needed somebody to push him over the hump. And Dombrowski uh, was a, a pretty good bet to do that. He's also great with convincing owners to spend money. And uh, the Phillies paid luxury taxes here for the first time in franchise history. And that was because Dave Dombrowski told the owners that they should. All right, you've got a hundred fills. Disperse the hundred fills appropriately for credit between Dombrowski, Topper, the hitting, and the pitching. Uh, hmm. The pitching is going to get the most, I think. Um, like what, credit for what? Credit for making the World Series or credit? I don't know. What? What? what what's what credit we... for making the World Series? The pitching is gets the most. I don't know. The pitching gets sixty. Um, the pitching has been unbelievable. I mean, they they think about it. Like everyone's making a big deal about how the Astros are undefeated and, and they are quite good. They're a very good baseball team. I don't believe um, that I've the, ever in my life seen Jeremy Pena make an out. I mean, I've watched him play like amazing. four games, but. Yeah. yeah, they have a deep team. They have all these pitchers that have won World Series games in the past. They haven't even thrown a pitch yet this postseason because they haven't needed them. Uh the pitching has been amazing. Uh, the Phillies have played 11 postseason games. They've won nine. They haven't faced elimination yet. And because they've, they've taken care of business, they've been able to align the pitching in each series the way they want it to be. And that's allowed them to maximize Nola and Wheeler. And also in the bullpen, Dominguez, Alvarado, Eflin, uh, Robertson, I guess, to an extent, although I don't know how much I trust David Robertson right now. Uh, but Nola and Wheeler, to me, deserve the most credit. These are two guys who Wheeler, for one, had never pitched in a postseason. There's a lot of questions about how does he handle this moment? How does he come back from missing a month? He's having one of the greatest postseasons ever for a starting pitcher. And then Nola, of course, what was the narrative about Aaron Nola? That he couldn't finish a season. He couldn't come up big in the biggest moments. And all this guy has done is just totally rewritten the story of his career uh, with, with how he's performed in the last month. And it's been really remarkable to watch and, and I think that's been the most fun it's not just Nolan Wheeler it's like watching each guy who hasn't been here before embrace the moment and sort of seize the moment and it hasn't been the same guy every time sure it's been a lot of Bryce uh, and a lot of Nolan and a lot of Wheeler but there have been moments for just about everybody on the roster uh, kind of taking advantage of these opportunities that they're getting and I'll go I'll go 60 the pitching uh, 50, the pitching, 20, the hitting 10, uh, what am I? You got 30 left. 20 to 20 to Thompson and 10 to Dombrowski. All right. That's know. good that's respect for Topper. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, you know, like I, I think Rob Thompson is, is he's he's really put a lot of you know given these guys a lot of confidence. Um, he has a way about him that uh, baseball players really relate to and gravitate to. He has this incredible dry wit. I wrote about it earlier in the postseason, and some people like were reading it and are like, "This just sounds like the guy is just like really insulting and like being mean to the players." And I was like, "I I, I, I guess if you if you read it, that's how it comes off." But that's Baseball players love dry humor. They love, uh, like, you know, busting each other's balls, for lack of a better term. That's and, Zach's everyday and, life. And, and Rob Thompson has a great way of doing it. He really does. And it's, and it's unexpected because it comes from this, you know, really mild-mannered, quiet Canadian, 59-year-old Canadian. Uh, and, and it's it's quite uh, the dry wit that he has. So uh, I, I, maybe he deserves more credit for this. I, I'm, I'm one who tends to believe that the players – I feel like that was a lot of credit that he gave him. When he fills, that's pretty, that's yeah. pretty big. What a story, though. I mean, Rod Thompson, uh, what a story. I mean, it's, it's just one – it's one amazing story in, in a collection of, of a lot of um, crazy stories, really. Speaking about players, you had a line in – I don't know if it was if if you considered a running story or just a place filler story the other day, just the quick few paragraphs you had when they clinched, and it was about Bryce Harper and you essentially said he's been groomed for this moment and there's never been an expectation that he hasn't met and I thought that was an interesting way to frame it because he's someone I can only think who, of one but <laughs> he's someone who uh, the four of us here expectation but. the the four of us here and. I imagine all of those who are listening and watching, he's almost grown up on our television sets, like hey, or in our in our magazines. I I remember 2009. I think it was June or early June when that Sports Illustrated came out with him on the cover, uh, and just just seeing his career progress. Uh, obviously, the clinching home run the other day. You've had a ground floor view to the entire Phillies career here from the pursuit of him to obviously these first few years. Uh, I hate to say talk about Bryce Harper, but what insight do you have on like, is how special for lack of a better way of framing the question is what's going on right now with Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, your thoughts. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think what's so amazing about that home run is that you, you, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are just who, after he hits it, you're like, I called it. I, I said, it, I knew he would do it. And it's like, yeah, like nothing is nothing about what Bryce Harper does is unbelievable in a lot of ways. And that is probably the most amazing thing mm -hmm. about him is that, like you said, I mean, he has, we've watched this guy's been in the public spotlight for so long, longer than, than really most professional athletes should be, or, you know, typically are. And, it's been really fun to watch him uh, on the biggest stage here, right? Because you're you're always wondering, like, what was it going to look like when when Bryce Harper got uh, to this moment? What was it going to look like? He never got past the NLDS when he was with Washington, uh, so the NLCS was was the furthest. So now he's in the World Series, and um, you know, watching him on a day to day basis, I, I see a guy who. Uh, is is probably the, one of the most driven athletes I've ever been around, and that that's not. I mean, he does things also, his own way. He does. I, I mean, he just he 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 works a lot, and and, he, and what he does is he he does it. He doesn't take batting practice outside. He's not typically working 
with his teammates. I mean, he has his thing. Like, he has a routine, and he does his own thing. And he knows what he needs and what he wants. And uh, he's not afraid to ask for it. And maybe that's just because of, you know, who he is, I guess. But uh, he's on his own program. He does his own thing. And uh, I, I think... Like, I mean, this, this is not to insult him. I mean, like, he's a world-class pander. Like, he, he, he is. knows how. He him knows and Sirianni could have, like, a real pander off. And, and, and I'm not I'm not dissing Bryce here. Like, I just, he knows, he knows what to say. He knows how to say it. He knows when to say it. Uh, and, and, and quite honestly, I don't know that there's a lot of thought that goes into that. I think he's just wired that way. He, because he's been exposed to the spotlight that long, um, he, you know, his parents have been around a lot through the stretch, you know, down the stretch run here and, and, and you know, his, his love for his family. I mean, I think becoming a father, uh, we, we, him and I both became a father about the same time. And now we both have two kids and we talk about that a lot. And uh, that's, I think that's something that's definitely changed him uh, in, in his time here in Philadelphia. Um, I, I think it's amazing to watch, you know, where he was when he came back from the broken thumb uh, he was really bad in September. I mean, he was searching for it and it took one swing. Like it was that game two in St. Louis. He takes up for one swing and a first pitch hanger and just absolutely crushes it. The full size. First time he pulled a ball in, in weeks. And ever since that moment, he's been the best player on the planet. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know how to explain it other than it's just Bryce. And like, how could you expect anything less? Zach and I had talked, uh, I think after the uh, after they clinched the NLDS about how it it seems like it seems like Reese Hoskins is sort of your muse, like you sort of write through Reese Hoskins. Does it work both ways? Like when he needs a big hit, does he look up in the press box and try to find your eye? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But yeah, Reese and uh, Nick Castellanos uh, has really become uh, my go-to here in the postseason. Um, Nick was pretty pretty miserable for the majority of the season, and understandably so. He felt like he was. Uh, not fulfilling uh, the contract, you know, hundred million dollar deal. And he was really having a, a poor season at the plate and uh, got hurt in September. And uh, I, starting with that win, the first game where they come back and Dean Segura gets a big hit in St. Louis to start the postseason, And that did really set the tone for this entire playoffs. Cause they were like, Oh, like, you know, Hey, not that it was easy, but it's like, Oh, we can do this. We just came back on the Cardinals and won a game. And like, Hey, here we are. Uh, Castanhouse has been, so happy and so thoughtful and uh, so willing to share those thoughts. And uh, now we just have a thing where like, I always just try to find him in every champagne celebration and he has something he wants to share. And it's, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun, but yes, Hoskins, um, you know, we've had, we've, cause he's the guy had, who's been through it. I mean, yeah, we've yeah, had like, moments like I, I wrote something, you know, that was, that was probably a little too over the top critical. It was a couple of years ago when he said, you know, don't forget to write, Phillies had blown a terrible game in New York, uh, a bunch of mistakes in the field. And he said, you know, don't forget to write about the positive things. Like he didn't just say it to me. He said it was on a Zoom call uh, back during the pandemic. And, um, you know, I, I kind of dinged him a little bit for that. And, and I know why he was saying it. He was trying to, you know, pump up his teammates a little bit because it was a tough time. But um, I, I appreciate Reese for who he is and what he is. And, and I think, the people in the city who appreciate him even before this run that he's gone on in the postseason, uh, I think it's really rewarding for them as fans to watch uh, a guy who has seen uh, a lot of bad baseball here, who has taken a lot of heat, probably undeservingly, uh, have his moment. And 
<laughs> amazing, right? I mean, just think about some of these moments and they're going to play those clips over and over again, like forever here. And how cool is that for him? I, I know baseball series are not broken down like a football game, you know, where, where we talk about this coordinator and, and wait, wait, can this... I say something? Yes. You guys are going to be in Houston, right? Yes. We discussed this. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. uh, yeah. Yeah. So when he says we, he means him and Emily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me where I went on my honeymoon. Is that something that I'm supposed to answer? Is no, that that, there's, that's, that's not necessary. That's not necessary discussion. No, we do. Uh, oh, so if, the street if, you grew up on and your mother's maiden name, please. Yeah. Um, if, if this gets the game six, if this, if this gets the game six, then yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be there trying to change my flight and trying to get a ticket. And Gail um, wants to be there Thursday night. Yeah. I'm oh, the yeah. Game. That'd probably be an easier ticket to get. Uh, <laughs> But uh, like 60, 60 bucks again. I looked up. I looked. I did look on stuff. I was curious. But uh, no. So I, I, I know we don't break this down the way football uh, games are broken down. But if you can put your your football writer hat on for a second, uh, what's this matchup for the uh, for the Phillies? What no what should? <laughs> uh, I guess where do they have the advantage? Where is the mismatch? And What's it going to take for them to upset a team that hasn't lost this postseason? I'm going to be, I will answer this as best as I can, but I'd be honest with you. I've given up like trying to put actual analysis on this, <laughs> right? I mean, they've been underdogs for every series. Um, you know, people were asking me, am I going to write a book? And I said, and I, I don't know if I'll do that. That was my not, next question. We got to talk know. about titles. Well, we got to get like, Zach. Yeah, I was going to say, has anyone ever written a book called Underdog yeah. before? Is that title taken? <laughs> There's about 18 right? copies here. And Gelb was a big <laughs> have, part of that. Have, can you way. steal have, can yeah, you I'm steal fine. Bedlam at the bank? Or will <laughs> Bedlam at the bank? That's good. Uh I, I've given up trying to analyze. How this. about everybody I mean, hits? <laughs> if they outslug the Astros in the World Series, sure, I guess that title would work. But um where do they have the advantages? I, I don't know. Confidence? Uh, I, I'm not sure if they have any on-field advantages. <laughs> like, okay. if you stack them up, I know they do, but it, it's tough. Um, they have to follow the formula that they followed in the previous series. They need to just steal one in Houston somehow. Mm -hmm. And it's not far-fetched when you're going to start Nola and Wheeler in those games. Doesn't, you know, it'll take a lot to do it, but it takes a really good starting pitching performance from one of those guys and the timely hitting, and you steal one game. And what's the reason That's behind really that flip-flop? Well, I don't know if that's officially oh, okay. what they're going to do yet, but I think that is what they will do um, because Nola was going to pitch uh, the next game, game six in San Diego. Thank God. I mean, I don't root. I'm impartial. I don't root for anyone. I was really happy they won, and we did not have to go back to San Diego. I love San Diego too, but I didn't want to get on a flight for one, through Phoenix yeah. at 7 a.m., uh, get into San Diego at about noonish for a 5 o'clock local time game. Uh, there was no travel day. That would have been – like a 22 hour day Oof. and I'm really excited that it didn't happen. Um, so thank you to uh, Bryce Harbor for hitting that home run and giving me a couple of days here at home where I can reintroduce myself to my children. And uh, the flip-flop, I, I think Nola uh, would have started game, he would have okay. started game six. He's, he, you know, if they do this, it gives Wheeler an extra day, which I think he could really use right now. Nola would be on his ninth day if he pitches in game one. I think he'd have eight days rest. And Wheeler would end up pitching on his sixth day. So he'd have um, five days rest. So I think that's why they'll do that. Um, don't hold me to that, though. They haven't announced it. Um, so 
you know, the Astros bullpen is a, is a real challenge for the Phillies. Uh, their bullpen is tremendous. Um, you know, they're going to put Justin Verlander out there in game one. Uh, he's going to win the Cy Young this year. He's amazing. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is probably uh, the best or not named Bryce Harper left, you know, that was standing in the entire postseason. Uh, he's really hard to get out. The Astros are hard to beat in Houston. Um, period. It's an intimidating place to play. Hmm. Uh, it's a stadium that is made for that team, uh, the way it's designed. Um, How so? Their team to it, just the dimensions and just okay. the way it plays. Like it's, uh, it, it, and they've kind of built the team around it because the stadium was there before this team went on this run. And I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot of advantages. The Phillies is not. The Astros do an amazing job of exploiting another team's weakness. They're so good at it. And what's one of the Phillies' weaknesses? That's their defense. The Astros strike out. Their strikeout percentage was second lowest in baseball this year. If they put the ball in play, they're going to test the Phillies' defense. Uh, and I know people are like sick and tired of hearing about how bad the Phillies are at defense because here they are in a World Series and it hasn't mattered. And it hasn't. I mean, they've made some mistakes, but they've been able to cover them up or just move past them. Uh, maybe they do it again. Uh, I don't know. But this is this is this is the toughest team they're going to face. Like uh, I think that's that's pretty clear. Um, the other three opponents they've had were, were, were good teams, but the Astros are on a different level. Uh, but I, I don't know, like the Phillies probably end up winning the world series just because like, I mean, how, how, how can you explain how they got here? So how could you explain, uh, you know, whether they'd win or lose this? So I've given up analyzing. Marissa, Sorry. it's not like the, it's not like they're, uh, we need to find reasons to hate the Astros. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, they're pretty uh, plenty out there, but, uh, having just watched the, the series, give us something else with, what else I can just we look feel like every guy that comes up, you're like, you feel like they could hit it out or they could just hit a double and then they start this whole run. And it's like, and obviously the Yankees are a home run hitting team. And I'm like, okay, you know, but I just, even watching the Yankees, I'm like, I don't have that same feeling every time the Astros are up at bat. So, and, and that stadium is like haunting. Like, I mean, it, it's full of orange and I mean, you know, like the Phillies stadium, the bank is pack too and like wild but i just feel like i don't know there's something about playing there that there's there's something scary. about that their their yeah. knockoff fanatic mascot too right <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah. like i've always thought he was like the illegitimate son of the fanatic and he, <laughs> he of which there just, must be uh, he's a he's Mr. a cheap yeah. Yeah. he's a cheap he's a cheap knockoff he really is you know orbit i don't know i don't think yeah. orbit and he like causes so much like trouble and like he's not really like <laughs> he's more like you know, a heckler and not really like a fun mascot. So yeah, the fanatic is definitely better. I will be pulling real hard for the Phillies, obviously. So. Gail, a uh, quick question in the chat, uh, important one from Grace. Which uh, which version of Dancing on My Own do you prefer, Robbins or Tiestos? I mean, Robbins. I mean, come on, what are we doing And that's here? the problem is that, you know, everyone's like, oh, uh, I don't even know how you say his first name. Callum? Callum? Mm. Sorry, am I showing my... You know, they're like, oh, we got to get him, you know, got to get him to Citizens Bank Park to perform. I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. But, like, they should get Robin to come to Citizens Bank yes. Park. Uh, but that's not the version about... that they play, though. That's not the version I, I know, they play in the clubhouse. I mean, that's I, why I when Bo was giving me a hard time on the podcast. Which Batman's and Robin. Yeah, when when he was giving me a hard time about the song, that's not the song that, that they're singing. The one she I wrote know the is song? the Gesto version. Yeah. I was actually thinking about how. Um, uh, even... What if they got them both? Now you're talking. And Probably maybe, man. you know what, Gail, maybe you can use this for a gamer. I think that the lyrics to Show Me Love, uh, her her earlier hit, are actually better uh, emblematic of the relationship between the Phillies and the city at the moment. 
Well, I want to ask you guys something. Like, can you compare? I, people have been asking me to compare, and it doesn't compare, I don't think, to 08 because there was a more more gradual buildup, right? You saw some of these homegrown players come up over the years. They had were seven back with 17 to play in 2007. They got into the playoffs. They got swept. Then the next year, you kind of knew something was coming. Something was building toward 08. This has been not like that, in my opinion. It's been more like, I think, the Eagles run to the Super Bowl uh, after Wentz goes down, and there's just this kind of, like, uncertainty hovering over this team. There's maybe a you know, some uh, pessimism regarding the club, uh, you know, even getting into the playoffs like the Eagles did. D- does this compare at all? Do you feel like the energy and like the, the vibes, I guess you're getting like from the city to that run? How does it compare? I think we should let the like, guy who wrote the book take this one. <laughs> well, no, I mean, we both you and I covered that team. We're both equipped to answer this. Uh, and I'll, I'll give a shout out to our former co-host, Shield here. When Shield says say his name, do you guys talk about him? I I do. He he deserves that respect. Um, you're the first. You're the first person who I used to do a podcast. Actually, that's not true because Fran Duffy has been on and C Mac have both been yeah. on the show. So you're actually the third person we're allowed to talk about. Um, but 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 Shield says that that like the most fun seasons are the ones you don't expect, right? Uh, and it's hard to call a team that has Bryce Harper and is paying the luxury tax and has all these hundred million dollar you know, or all, 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 all these, um, you know, eight, eight digit, um, contract, um, players or not, I'm sorry. Nine uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, eight, eight digit for annual salary. We all went to journal. Oh, okay. That's cool. It's okay. Yeah. That's what I meant. Um, I mean, it depends yeah. how far you carry it as for the decimal point. You know? <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, it's hard to call that. It's hard to call that group like underdogs. Uh, yeah. but the, the, uh, I think this market in particular gravitates toward the nobody believes in us. Everyone counts us out, right? The, the, the team that's, that's like pole to pole. Uh, that's, that's not the team that I think gets the, like the, that endears themselves as much. Everyone wants to see a winner, but if you were like first place on, on, if you're expected to win and you go all the way through, it's not quite the same as the team that galvanizes the city at a certain moment, right? Um, and that's why, you know, Jason Kelsey made that that comment during training camp that in his time, the teams that were expected to be good uh, were, and he, I think he used the word shitty. Um, and then, yeah, the inverse shows is obviously true. Uh, and, it, yeah, I, I think there's there's something to that, right? Like, the 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 comparison I would give is that they were a team that had been counted out. They were a team that was that was considered the underdog, and they're a team that people can can get behind, right? People got behind. Uh oh! Wow! This wow. is amazing. Usually, this is you, Bo. I'm actually this is I'm witnessing something really amazing. And the drama building here because he could say anything. Get behind <laughs> what? <laughs> This was supposed to be Did you upgrade your internet? This is this is wow. pretty good quality you have here. This is gonna be tough. Uh, uh is he back? Go ahead. Yeah. Right there. Get behind. I never left. I never left. Uh, oh, that, that, oh. I I don't know where you lost me here, but yeah, there get behind people can get behind the like this group of players. Um they can get there's characters on this team that I think resonate with the fan base and They've also it's it's been dramatic, right? Uh, that's that's the other part too. The Eagles that, that that team had some dramatic wins. That Atlanta win that they had in the playoffs that was a traumatic win. 
Um, the Minnesota one was just a party. That was, you know, that was a blowout. Um, but obviously the Super Bowl, that was a dramatic game. I, I, I think the flair for the dramatic had something to do with it as well. I've sort of been thinking about like the, the, like how much the city has, uh, has gotten behind it and like the atmosphere at the stadium, uh, which has seemed so awesome. And like, I was talking to somebody who was like, didn't like, didn't Philadelphia like not care about this team a month ago. Um, and I think that's true. And I think what That's the okay. like what the dynamic right. is is like I think what's what's great about and I, I can do my uh, Bryce Harper uh, Nick Sirianni pandering here um, like Philadelphia fandom is that like if you don't deserve to be loved they don't like then they're not going to love you like it's not uh, it's not just a one way street of fawning um, but if you like if you turn it on and you are are a team that deserves to be loved like you guys deserve to be loved they're going to love you with everything. Right. Um, and I think like, you know, the atmosphere and like just the, the feel in the city has been awesome um, the past couple of weeks, yeah. just, just because of that. The oh, team that I would great. compare it to the most is, is, is probably the 2008 uh, Syracuse basketball. No, I was, I was, <laughs> was going to say the 01 Sixers. Um, that's who that they remind cool. me of straight down to, you know that Sixers team was going to play Shaq yeah. and Kobe, right? And, and and now the Phillies are and and actually to I and that team I, is loved to this day, even though like yeah, they just lost yeah. in the finals. I yeah. believe that Lakers team had not lost in the postseason until Correct. game until yes. game one yeah. in Los Angeles. Yes. So you see that comparison there. But and Allen Iverson was, you know, I mean he's not the same as Harper, but you Similar you star yeah. Power, yeah so. That's the team I, I would really compare it to is is the 01 Sixers. Like in, yeah, yeah, they were imperfect, but they work together. So do you think do you do you think that they would be in the World Series if everybody hits was still going? <laughs> you have a lot of ex lover podcasts though, so I don't know. I don't know if this is my Mr. fault Stock, or yeah. really. I think it's your fault, really. Yeah, I mean there's no doubt about that. But yeah. What do you think Adam Grassi is doing these days? I don't know. We got canceled pretty hard, though. I mean, this is. I hope people people know, like, this wasn't necessarily like. Yeah. I don't think anyone's here to even the demise. Cancel culture. We, we run amok. Yeah, we got canceled by the athletic. Yeah, pandemic yeah. layoffs. It happens. Yeah, you know, it happens. Not. A, but I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys have have. You know, just you're not even you're not still just going strong. I mean, you're really you're thriving here. Well, that's for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about yeah. that. No, you do have you do have another podcast. I will let you. I will oh, let you plug. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I've been I've been uh, doing another podcast. Uh, it's called uh, Phillies Therapy uh, with a, a former Phillies blogger, and uh, he's like, uh, you know, Paul is uh, he has a real world job that doesn't involve uh, baseball or sports, and uh, I, I love Paul's perspective on on just about everything Phillies, and uh, it's fun to think combined. He's he's a fan, and I am uh, I'm uh, somebody who covers the team. It's been fun to kind of uh, combine those two perspectives and just talk about the Phillies. And so you can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast. I don't have you know, many awkward ad reads like uh, ZB does. I, I thought those were really professionally read. Uh, I want to know who you're hiring and when you're doing that hiring, I really want to uh, want to know more about that. Well, I mean, if he needs a quality control it. coach, if he's going to get all that self scouting done, <laughs> who did the Eagles play this week? Did they play Pittsburgh Steelers? Yes. Can he pick it? Oh, the Steelers. Yes. Oh. I, that's been the worst. I mean, there's been a lot of it's been a lot of great out of this, but I, I've really I've lost football season here. I've totally been uh, not been able to pay attention at all to football, which has been uh, 
kind of a, a, a disappointing byproduct of all this, but the Eagles are, are pretty good. Yeah, they're undefeated. I, I know I, people are upset in the comments. I can tell they're like, "Are we still talking about the Phillies?" Yeah, no. sorry. I actually no, think I think I think Bo's going to steal this tactic of of saying, "I'm done giving analysis on this team." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be Bo's new, new thing. When I'm like, I, I do feels like it feels to, like a shot, but I'll take it. About, yeah, <laughs> it was a joke. It was a joke. I, yes. When you got to the Super Bowl, didn't you feel the same way? I mean, it was like you're trying to figure out how they're going to win that game, but at this point, you're like. I could I can give you all the reasons why they will win or why they yeah. won't win, but in the end, mm-hmm. like I don't know. I mean, like there's just something about them right now. Absolutely, I mean, they've beaten. You know, they've gotten way further than they should have gotten. So there's something to that. I, I do have one I, last. I, I, I said ahead, something man. similar. I I think during I vividly recall this. I sounds like a flex, but I was on. Uh, I, I was on Philly Sports Talk Live. Um, you know. Uh, all right, thing. Another yeah, canceled show. Um, in the Mall of America, Barkan asks me for for my prediction. And I'm like, I can give you all the reasons why, like, the Patriots have the advantage in this game. Um, but ultimately, like, it's hard to pick against the Eagles with the way they're playing right now. I, I think I, I said the Eagles had the advantage at the, at the line of scrimmage. Um, that, you know, that that ultimately is an equalizer in, in games. But my an- analysis was, like, with the way the Eagles are playing, it's, it's hard to pick against them. And... Uh, so I, I suppose the Phillies have that type of quality. I mean, this is a one point where I will give credit. Not not quite as good of a prediction as uh, what's his face had. But. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, you know. You know. You try to prepare for a, a, an interview uh, when you have a, a star guest like this, and so I did. I did ask around. There was one question left oh, on my God. list that I was told uh, to make sure to ask you uh, during that that 17 game road trip at the end of the regular season and in the beginning of the playoffs. How much Chipotle did you eat? <laughs> Uh, maybe three times, I think. Maybe two or three times. Oh, that's it not wasn't that bad. Many. Yeah, it wasn't that many. Uh, mm, not the best tip I, I got from uh, a, a man I desperately love and would wish to have back in my life more. I don't know who I that is. I don't remember. I did run into, I have, I've run more recently into another member of the Wolf family than, than, than you, Bo, during that trip. I ran mm. into, that's true. I want to talk about well, you can it, I ran, into, I ran into your brother. Um, With a car? <laughs> no, is this a Bayheim thing? <laughs> yeah, it was a hit and run. Actually. Uh, that's not sorry. nice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what's this really not live. nice. This is live. Uh, live. No, this I is live. This is live. I mean, that's it's a thing that happens. Of friends. Yes. I probably and this is like I'm really showing up. Like I probably ate more sweet green than I ate Chipotle oh, nice. because there's a sweet green right near Nationals Park, and there was a sweet green right near. Um, my hotel in Chicago. So that was what I ate a lot for okay. lunch on those, that trip. Pistol Pete, that's, that's who that was. I did do laundry and I tried to submit the expense, um, you know, through our expenses. And you guys are well aware of this, uh, you know, that situation. And I, you know, I got $10 worth of like coins. Don't have a receipt for that or anything, but uh, they finally just got approved. I did laundry in, nice. uh, in St. Louis. You could have just uh, pretended it was uh, a meal. Because you don't need a receipt I for a ten dollar meal, right? It would have been much easier to get mm. that reimbursed than uh, trying to explain why I was doing laundry <laughs> uh, at the end of that trip. Well, you're by the book. That's right. I appreciate that. All right. Well, you have been it's, uh, it's, very generous. It's, it's, it's probably easier than than, than getting the uh, the cameos that we had for <laughs> the Osprey's expense. So, yes, hey, they were. They, yes, that's true. That's true. Wow, you got wow. You expensed that. Most of them, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure running it back, Mr. Gill. We uh, will all be reading and listening uh, throughout the World Series. Maybe we'll get to see you in Houston. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I 
yeah, I'd love to see an Eagles game live, and uh, that'd be a lot of fun. And uh, I don't know any party shots at Zach or like uh, leftover feuds from like uh, 15 years ago <laughs> that you'd like to settle. No, I feel bad that I haven't seen either of you guys in person in a long time. I mean, that's, well, um, I can't just walk over to your house anymore in the city. I'm sorry. I had to move out to the suburbs. That's okay. Yeah, you can walk to Zach's. <laughs> but when this is all over and once the Eagles are done their Super Bowl run, we can uh, we can get together. Okay. For sure. Uh, all right. Follow Matt Gelb. I mean, if you're this deep into the episode, you already know who he is. You're already paying attention. Uh, wish him luck. Wish wish his family luck over the uh, the next week. And, uh, you know, root for the Philly. So a uh, quick break. And then I think we've got like five minutes left to uh, close the show because we have to have a second break contractually. <laughs> so uh, please stick around. But if not, no sweat. All right. Welcome back to Birds with Friends. Bo, Zach, and Marissa. I forgot to say I'm, I'm wearing my... Uh, Anthony Faust Memorial uh, Tournament shirt from high school uh, just to get some baseball bona fides out there for the baseball podcast. This is when we um, famously beat the Bronx School of Law and Government 40 to nothing in three innings. Wow. What position did you play? In that oh, game, started. We in only that have, game uh, I, I played third base. Yeah, I actually went that. one for one lefty uh, in that game, which uh, gave, well, this was my only at-bat lefty in, in all of high school, but the game was so uh out of hand that flared a uh, flared a single over the shortstop's head wow how was your team how do you still have a shirt from high school i mean i'm trying to relive the glory years what do you didn't i just didn't i just tell you so that i could tell that story I, yeah i know but i'm like yeah. uh you know organizer like a few years old donate <laughs> yes that's... I mean, i'm i'm, I'm uh, unfortunately not that way I have That's some, my life I, tell you. I have some shirts from high school that uh, will just mysteriously vanish. And yeah. Emily's like, yeah, I, I threw that one away. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, but, but that one has special memories. And now it's, yeah. Wow. No, That's no tough. Special, yeah. Is it a Matt Walsh uh, shirt by chance? Uh, no, it's not a Matt Walsh shirt, but <laughs> no, my baseball team was. Oh, close, you know what? This is, the, this is the last thing we can talk about, Zach, because uh, yeah. we do need to get going. Your thoughts on your former nemesis getting benched, Matt Ryan? Um, yeah, I mean, and people wanted your take on the quarterback situation in uh, New England too. So while we're talking quarterbacks, okay. Uh, well, so I'll start with the Colts one, and that's, I mean, how bad? And I would defer to Zach Kiefer. Zach Kiefer had a really good piece today that this has kind of been in in the works for a bit. They've been talking about it behind the scenes. Um. I think Look, there's a Sirianni influence here. I think there's they look at the Eagles offense. They they're mm -hmm. obviously paying attention to what happened when Sirianni left and what turned to that offense. And I think knowing that they have a I mean their offense is the worst in the league right now. Uh, or by different metrics the worst or one of the top 3 worst. Uh I think they're looking at it and, and thinking if there's one thing we can get going. Now, you know, this is maybe not exactly correct because uh how, you know, Jim Ursay's involvement um we don't know exactly the level of that and how uh, mercurial he is but if it is a football decision i think it is based on they want to have a quarterback run game offense and hope that that can help turn things around yeah i i look at um recent draft history and i say they've they've had i believe eight first or second round picks in the past four years uh at the one two three four yeah in the past four seasons and they have not used any of them on an offensive lineman. And uh, look, it's the 
I, invest I, in the, le- in the, in the yeah. least important positions. I think Frank Reich's quote yesterday was an apt one that um, they failed Matt Ryan in the, in the sense that they thought he was the perfect quarterback for, or, not, or they thought he was an ideal quarterback for a good run game and a good offensive line. And their offensive line is atrocious. And Zach Kiefer did a good job laying that out in the story today. And that's an organizational that, that like, I don't put that on the players. They, they, they did poor planning on their offensive line to create this situation. So given the roster, careful though, because if you're going to give the players credit, if they get better, you have to also ding them if they're not good. Well, no, but you probably think if they had Jeff Stoutland, this, they'd be, you know, seven and oh, right. Uh, I, I I I bet they would have a better record. Uh, a great piece, by the way, on I'll, I'll give credit to the Eagles website. Fran Duffy um, did a, a, a good Fantastic. kind of chalk talk, if if you will, with with uh, Jeff Stoutland. And I give Fran credit there because obviously Stoutland's always insightful. Fran knew exactly what to ask and how. And, I think those uh, are the like the yeah. maybe the best pieces of of Eagles content yeah. whenever they come out is is a yeah. Fran and Stout. Yeah, so comedy. So, so credit there. Um, but no, that I, I think to your point, I wouldn't say the Sirianni influence, but I, I think they see what their roster is and they need a quarterback who can move and Sam, and Sam Elger, uh, he can move. Um, but they did a, a bad job building that offensive line. And that's, I think that's coming to bear right now in, in new England. Um, I got to admit last night was the first time I really watched uh, New England, and I was at a speaker um, for the early part of that, so I only got to see the second half. <laughs> I go to the Philadelphia Speaker Series. Last night was John Brennan, the former CIA director. Uh, so I went to hear him speak, and it was very good spy tips. Any good spy craft you can share? I mean, there's a lot more to the CIA. You can't share, spying. duh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I always, every he's time the Eagles, he's gonna pop out of here. Every time the Eagles aren't aren't playing and there's a speaker series, I I go to the speaker series. Um, and Jack, at the expense, how do you have hours in the day? Like I seriously like. Well, last night, I, I mean, I mean, last night I didn't get to watch the first half of Monday Night Football, and so that I'm <laughs> I'm not well prepared for this conversation. I watched the second half, and uh, I can tell you, like, I don't know what's going on in New England right now. That was a bad half, uh, that I saw. And I was following, I was listening actually in, in the car ride home to the game. And it didn't sound like the first half was much better. Although I did catch a, a Bailey's. Uh, oh, that was an explosive, yeah. like exciting moment man, when he first came in. Yeah. And so Stacy's mom on the sideline. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Um, I got a refrigerator guy who's waiting outside. Okay. So I got our, yeah, I got we have a 330 with our boss too. Yeah, we have yeah. a 330 with our boss. So, but we'll be back later this week. Arthur Salzenberger. Okay. (laughs) We'll uh, we'll be back later this week. A lot to discuss. And we'll get into the nitty gritty of the Steelers game. We'll uh, talk Kenny Pickett and what's going on with the Steelers right now. And and more importantly, we'll talk about his chicken vodka wrap have, have brewing after, after the bye and uh, Lane Johnson status. So, and, and we can also get into the contender conversation. We'll have a little bit from Tyler Dunn, who, who, who we were supposed to have on today. You'll get to hear all about tight ends. So a lot to discuss next podcast. Looking forward to it. We'll be better next time than we, than we were today. I, I'm not promising that. <laughs> Isn't I thought, that it, was what Tony a, I thought it was a lovely says? conversation with Gail. Isn't Gelb? that what Tony Kornheiser says at the, at the end of every PTI? We'll be better tomorrow? Well. Yeah. I like that. I feel like that's, you know, 
I can't promise that. Gelb was dynamic. <laughs> I don't know what Tyler Dunn's bringing to the table. Guy. I will see you on, on Zoom with our boss in about five minutes. All right. So for Zach and Marissa and uh, Uncle Phil, I'm Bo. We thank you for listening. And as always, we love you.